creative journey It's easy to get lost But don't worry, you'll lift off Sometimes you just need a creative pep talk Hey, you are listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. We all long to spend as much time as humanly possible doing the things that we love, doing the creative work that makes us come alive. We want to spend as much time doing that stuff as we can. And so if you're like me, you're going to rush to accomplish the achievements that unlock the maximum amount of time for you to be making your work. We run towards those big juicy opportunities so that we can exercise that creative muscle as fast as humanly possible. But if your journey is anything like mine, progress can often be painfully, excruciatingly slow, way slower than I would like. And it can soon start to feel like it's going to take a lifetime to get where I want to be as a creator. And if you are currently frustrated by the slow pace of your creative path and you feel like you're kind of stuck in creative traffic with no actual forward motion and you're just like, man, is this thing ever going to start moving? I want to share some tools with you that really changed this whole thing for me. But before we get into that, we just got a few words from our sponsors. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, AndyJPizza.com if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support.
This is part three of our four-part human rhythms series that we've been doing. Fast pace changes in our world and, and with the algorithm and everything just moving so rapidly puts all these demands on us. You know, the algorithm demands certain things from us as creators. And I feel like a lot of those things are at odds with the human rhythms of our actual life and, and reality and, and how living organisms work. And this conflict, this gap between those two things can feel as though life is at odds with our creative practice in the modern era. But in my experience, if I will just take the pressure of the algorithm or the pressure that the world puts on me with a grain of salt and, and, and just hold it loosely and rather cultivate an approach that more follows my human rhythms, the rhythms of being a person, not only am I happier with the stuff I make and happier in life and healthier in that mindset, I ultimately believe that it still gets better results in the long run. That's what episode three is all about, the long run, the power of switching your attitude and focus from short-term gains to a long-term game and why this shift of loving the long game can change everything in the short term right now. Let's go. Chapter one, love what you do. In my experience, the most effective way to make progress towards doing what you love, doing more of what you love, is actually flipping that on its head completely and loving what you do to start. If you really love to do something, you're going to want to spend as much time as humanly possible doing that thing. It could be music, it could be stand-up comedy, it could be illustration, it could even be just building your own business, whatever it is. If you really, really love the work, you're going to want to do it as much time as humanly possible. This desire for me quickly became a kind of desperation. Like when I fell in love with illustration, I just wanted to be doing it all the time and I didn't want to do school and I didn't want to do a job and I didn't want to do all this other stuff that it takes to take care of a human body even. I just wanted to make illustration. There was never enough time to make my art and I dreamt of the days that I could get those big, huge opportunities that would allow me to have the time and space to do as much of that stuff as my heart desired. And I ran into getting those opportunities and, and achieving those goals as fast as I possibly could with as much energy as I could muster because I wanted it now. But I'm sure you already know this, for the majority of us, progress is going to be extremely painfully slow. No matter the intensity of that energy and speed and fervor and tenacity that you come at your creative practice with, it doesn't matter. The progress just cannot advance fast enough. And at this rate, it's going to take a lifetime to get to the top of the game, to get to where you're trying to get. So many closed doors, missed opportunities, failed chances, game over, game over, game over, over and over again. Why wasn't things happening as fast as I wanted them to? 
Was it the work? Like, was I doing the wrong thing? Was I trying going for the wrong opportunities? Was I emailing the wrong people? Like maybe it was that I was living in Indiana at the time, man, like nothing happens in Indiana. And by the way, I just want to really quick say I live in Ohio now, which is basically Indiana. Um, They're basically the same country uh, and I love them both dearly. That's why I live there. So don't take offense. It's really just, uh, it's my home, my identity. I'm just being self-deprecating, but it is true that things move a bit slower in Indiana. Like uh, when anything happens in Indiana, it's so quiet here that news spreads any hot, Indiana goss is going to move fast. Like just a couple weeks ago, my stepmom texted me with some rare, hot, juicy off the presses. <laughs> juicy off the presses sounds like a newspaper mixed with uh, an orange press. But this is that kind of news. This is Indiana gossip. And she texted me that Stranger Things star. Millie Bobby Brown, who plays Eleven in Stranger Things, was going to be taking classes at an Indiana college, Purdue University. And I got that text two days before it was a trending topic on Twitter. That's how on top of it we are in the Midwest with our hot gossip. That's how desperate we are um, for some kind of action. But in all fairness, I feel like this is some pretty juicy gossip. Like Millie Bobby Brown who at 18 years old is the biggest star of the biggest streaming show of all time, chose to split her attention from acting with human services classes at a Midwest college. Now, as an artist, I sometimes hear stuff like that and feel dumbfounded by this whole thing because it took me so long to get where I am right now and I'm not even close to where I want to go ultimately. And I imagine if you're an actor, especially this has to be an, an even more intense feeling. Like you're at the tippy tip top of the game and you bail. Like with, while thousands, maybe millions of people are out there desperate for the kind of opportunity that you have already had at 18, like you're we're out here stacking up a mountain of game overs. Meanwhile, you're at the top and you give it all up. You, you split your time. You, you, you go to regular college. Like, what are you doing? It's hard to understand for some people, but actually I feel like I kind of know how she feels, honestly. Like um, I too got to the top of the game before my time just a few years back when I beat... Zelda Breath of the Wild for Nintendo Switch accidentally before I was ready to be done with the game. And by the way, that's a joke. I'm kidding. I am very clear uh, that it's abundantly obvious that these are not the same thing. I'm kidding around. But it does make make it make a little bit of sense to me because when I fell in love with playing Zelda... The, the first game I fell in love with as an adult, I felt super hard. Like I wanted to do this game as much as humanly possible. And I played as much time as I possibly could. And at the peak of my obsession with that game, I thought, hey, I'm, I'm not good enough or prepared enough to beat the final boss. I'm not even close to being done with this game, but it's open world 
And that means I can go check out the castle and go see what the final boss is like, even if I get my butt handed to me. It'll just be, I don't know, something for fun today. But that's not what happened. Longtime listeners already know uh, it didn't go like that. I didn't just go see what he was like. What really happened is I went into that castle, found the boss, and defeated the final boss on my first try. Yeah, that's the end of the story. Anticlimactic much? Yes, and it truly was anticlimactic. I thought, I beat it, and I thought, oh, cool. I guess I beat the game. And the next day I came back, turned it on, uh, and started working on this side quest I was in the middle of before I beat the game. And I had a ton of the game left to explore. But to my surprise, it wasn't the same. Like, I no longer was as desperate to play as much as humanly possible after I beat the game. It took me five years after that to find a game that I loved as much as Zelda. That's a long time. Like, finding stuff you love is harder than you think when, when you don't have something that you currently are obsessed with. And this time around, I'm like dedicated to savoring the experience. The game is called, for anybody curious, uh, gamers out there, it's called Elden Ring. And fair warning, this game is much harder, much grittier, and much darker than any Zelda game, and you have been warned. But you gotta level it up. You, after you beat one thing, you gotta take it to the next level. And I'm about 80 hours in, and I maybe have never loved a game as much as I love Elden Ring. I'm obsessed. And more than anything, it's made me understand why Millie Bobby Brown made the choice to take classes at Purdue, Indiana. Because acting just wasn't cutting it like it used to, probably. Like, she needed to mix it up. She needed to take it to 11 the challenge, I mean. Anyway, some of you, some of you will like that. Some of you won't. Um, she needed something more intense. She needed a new challenge. She needed something much harder and much grittier and much darker than the Stranger Things sci-fi fictional town of Hawkins, Indiana. She needed the real Indiana. Like that's, now that's some dark stuff. Just kidding. Midwest is the best. But seriously, it's true. Like if you get to the top of your game at age 18, you're gonna need a new mountain to climb. You're gonna need a new game to play. Most of us will never experience anything like this. We'll never get to the top that quick. We might not ever get to the top whatsoever. But as we continue to slowly bump our way in the dark towards our goal, it's good to remember that failing isn't the real game over. It's just that try again screen, you know, at the arcade when you lose and it's like, try again and there's a countdown. Like that's all it is when you fail. The real true game over is when you're done with the game. Like when you no longer love it and we all rush to do the thing that we love as much as possible. But if we got what we wanted, when we wanted it, maybe we wouldn't be doing what we love at all, but rather we would have done what we love, as in been there, done that. 
I'm trying to remember this this time around with the video game <laughs> when I found this new game that I love so much I'm tr- that I want to play as much as humanly possible and I want to rush through. I'm reminding myself that I don't actually want to play the game I love as much time as humanly possible. I want to love the game that I'm playing for as much time as humanly possible. I don't want to do what I love as much as possible. I want to love what I do as much as I possibly can. This is my second chance at at a long relationship with a video game. You know, that night after I got that news of Millie Bobby Brown taking classes in Indiana, when my kids were in bed, I, I just walked through the hills of Elden Ring. You know, I just took my time smelling the freshly undead as they tried to, you know, eat my brains and all that stuff. And I just watched in awe and wonder as the, as each baddie I encountered took their first steps. They're precious moments and you don't want to let them pass you by. Like don't rush through them just to get to the next things. And I thought, Hey, I'm trying to be present down here with Elden Ring. Get your own damn snack. can't wait until these kids are grown up and I can just spend all my time doing what I really love, which is playing Elden Ring. Anyway, also a joke, most of us will not reach the top at age 18. In fact, myself included, we'll probably never reach the absolute top of the field in which we work and participate in. But I take some comfort in this example, in this lesson because it helps me realize that the slow road and the long game maybe isn't so bad after all. Maybe it's not so bad that progress is slow and it feels like getting where I want to go is taking a lifetime to achieve because if my goal is really to do what I love and love what I do as much time as humanly possible, the maximum amount of possible time for a human to love something is just that a lifetime. In that way, like maybe doing what you love, taking a lifetime is kind of a gift because uh, as Nicolas Cage says in that movie that he did a couple years back called Pig. We don't get a lot of things to really care about. So if you've found something that you really, really love to do, ask yourself, are you protecting your love of it or are you blasting through it? Are you honoring it by making sure that when you do have the time and space to do this thing, that you make sure you're doing the best you can to love it while you're doing it? Or are you making choices that are actually ruining the thing that you love? Not only is this a more humane way to practice that is in line with our human rhythms, uh, in the end, I really think it's more effective. I'm... uh, at the, later on, I'm going to talk about how this strategy actually works better for achieving your goals and how really making a priority to not just do what you love, but love what you do will help you more effectively make your way to the top in the end anyway. But for now, let's just talk about how to love what you do more before it's done. Chapter two. Choose your character. Destiny. After you've switched your mindset from just doing what you love as much as humanly possible 
to loving what you do when you're doing it as much as humanly possible, the next thing you need to do is actually do this by modifying your practice so that it is the maximum level of enjoyable when you're actually making the work. Here are two things that have helped me love making creative work more when I'm actually making it. The first thing is only choose 100% complete projects. I'll explain what I mean by that. Okay, we don't get to choose every project or everything that we do, but the projects that we do choose, that we have a say in whether we do them or not, whether they're self-initiated or they're projects that um, you're, you're taking on that you could afford not to take on if you chose, why is it with those projects that we often choose ones that we don't want to do? Like, I feel like we often go through life as kind of NPCs. Now, whenever I get to a game lingo that might not be familiar to everybody, I'm going to do gaming lingo for noobs. So when I use gaming lingo, I'll include a little explainer for non-gamers so you don't slip through the cracks. And then for gamers, it can help you feel like, yeah, I already know that. I'm part of the inside circle for this one time because us gamers never get to be part of the cool crowd. Gaming lingo for noobs. If you don't know what an NPC, NPC is in gamer speak, it means non-player character. Basically, all the characters in a game that just do whatever the code tells them to do. It's not you playing. It's not someone else playing online, a human. It's a coded character in the game. Also, probably I should do gaming lingo for noobs for noobs because that means newbies. Oh, and uh, gaming lingo for noobs. Uh, newbies means rookie players. And uh, rookie players, gaming, li- no, not, not really. I think you get the point. When you let your shoulds run your life, you are missing the opportunity to steer your own ship. And that is the whole point of the creative life. When you make Instagram reels because you should, they will have the lifeless soul of an NPC, like of a character just like walking in place, even though it's not going anywhere and it's stuck walking against a wall. That's what an Instagram reel feels like when you made it because you should, because the code, the algorithm told you that you should do it. And the same is true with any side project that you do because you think, well, I should do this because it'll unlock the quote unquote right opportunities. And only after creating from the should of this project, I should probably, that'll probably open up this other thing that I don't really want to do, but I should do. And then if I do, you know, 15 of those, I'll finally be where I want to go. No, don't do that. Only creating from a should mentality steals the joy of what you're doing and you're doing this to love it. Like in your mind, think like if I do this and that and that in 10 years, I'll be able to spend some time creating stuff that I actually like. Like, no, the problem is if it's painful of a journey, if the, if the journey is super painful, you're never going to take it. And if you don't believe me that should might be ruining your creative practice and the love of what you do, you should think about how we let shoulds enter and ruin the most pleasurable activities in our lives. Like I have let should come in and even steal the joy that I get from video games that are only exist for fun. When I started playing video games as an adult a few years back, 
people started, people in my life started buying me in a very lovely way, buying me them as birthday and Christmas presents and recommending games. Uh, people online would constantly be like, oh, you like that game? You should play this game. You should play this game. You should play this game. And I stacked up all these games that I was supposed to play, which sounds crazy in retrospect. Like when I wanted to go play Uncharted 4, people were like, no, you should start with Uncharted 1. You should play this video game. You should do that. But I was excited to play Uncharted 4, and I thought, well, I should go back and start at 1, but I didn't feel excited to play a game that was a decade old. And so you know what I played? Nothing. Seriously, I didn't realize it at the time, but that long list of games that I quote-unquote should play turned video games into a kind of chore and homework, and I just quit playing them. This happens in our creative lives. Almost any time in my practice that I've taken a massive break from doing creative work that I love, it's because I've fallen into a huge pile of should. It's like I've fallen into, well, I should do this first and that. Ideally, I do da-da-da-da-da, this, that, and the other, right? And it completely stole the joy out of this thing that I love so much. And that's why when it comes to projects I choose or self-initiate, I made a rule that is the same for choosing video games and for choosing what books I'm going to read next. And I'm only going to start the ones that I strongly suspect I am interested in completing 100%. Gaming lingo for noobs. 100%ing or 100% completion is a game term that means that you went and you got every possible secret item, you completed every side quest, and you even finished like all the extra downloadable content. Those games that you're obsessed with, like Zelda Breath of the Wild, I completed that 100%. I wanted to experience every single thing within the game because I loved it that much. So now... When I choose a new book, you know, I have ADHD. It means I have one of the diagnostic criteria is, do you have 500 books in your house that you have read one chapter of and then abandoned? I have so many bookmarks left in books that I did not complete. And one of the ways that I've started to eliminate some of the books, uh, starting some books that I don't end up finishing, is approaching them through this lens of, I'm only going to start books that I'm interested in reading the preface and the intro and the epilogue where I want to consume every single element. And sure, sometimes you get into those and it's still not one that you want to complete. And, and that's fine. But if you don't want to complete it from the start, what makes you think that you're going to want to finish it and complete it at all? And so the same is true for creative projects uh, and video games that you, you have a sense on whether you're interested in the whole thing from the get-go. If you are not jazzed right out the gate, then don't even, don't even bother. Don't be an NPC choosing just to do what you should because the whole idea of creativity is that you are choosing your character's destiny. By forgetting what the code says, by forgetting what the algorithm wants, by forgetting what your friends say you should and shouldn't do, by forgetting what the thought leaders say, this is the way to do it, and instead, just choosing 100% projects. And, and sure, 
in the middle of projects, you're going to lose some steam. You might have to push through. But if you're pushing through from the start, you're never going to make it to the finish line. The second thing that has helped me really enjoy the process of making stuff recently is just daily chunking. Okay, I'll explain what that means. Gaming lingo for... No, that's chunking, I don't think. Is gaming lingo? I don't know. Maybe it is. There's a lot of it that I'm not familiar with. But I'm just calling this daily chunking because that's what it feels like to to me. And also, (laughs) chunking daily sounds weird. Um, The other piece that helps my practice be more enjoyable is chunking down my creative goals into many creative goals. Like the easiest way for me to explain this is of course through the metaphor of the game Elden Ring. Here's what I've noticed. When I was first obsessed with this game, I would try to squeeze in a few minutes of play wherever I possibly could. But this ended up kind of ruining the game for me because when I was playing, I was rushing, making mistakes. It's a very challenging game. And I'd often end up in a worse place than when I started when I was playing in that way. So instead... I decided I would only play when I had at least enough time to level up my character one level, which meant I didn't need need to rush when I was playing because even in a short period of time, I could level up my character and feel like I I did something good today on a video game in a fantasy world, but I still did it. I did something good. And, And it means that I also knew that if I didn't have enough time to level up the character, which is about 30 minutes of play, then I don't have time to play because I don't want to play in a way that I'm rushing, not enjoying it, and moving backwards. What does this have to do with making stuff? The same is true for creative work. The worst thing I can do is to try to start a piece of work when I don't have any time to get anywhere with it. Like, has this ever happened to you? Has this ever happened to you? My wife and I talk about this all the time. We're both artists. And what happens is if we start, like we have five minutes and we start thinking about a creative problem and we just start tinkering with it just a tiny bit and you can't resolve any part of that process and you have to leave that piece of that creative process completely open and unsolved, it often opens this distracting loop in my brain until I can return to it. And I'm completely distracted with my kids. I'm distracted with everything else that I'm doing. I'm not giving it my best because that loop has, is like like a crack in my psyche where all kinds of negative distracting self-talk seeps in. Like, you're never gonna solve this, man. Like this piece is gonna be the end of you. This This piece is gonna suck. Why even bother coming back to it? You're never gonna figure it out. And you have this like low level anxiety, like your best pieces are never hard, this hard to make. Like, have you ever had that feeling when you start a creative process that you can't finish? So when I do get a minute to make something, I try to start with a clear intention of what I am trying to accomplish from from start to finish and make sure I have the reasonable amount of time that, that it usually takes to do this part of the process. You know, if it's it's making an illustration, it might just be like sketching thumbnails. And I know about how long it takes me to get a thumbnail that I like, or if it's ideation process or coloring process, whatever it is, I try to only really open those up uh, when I have time to finish that chunk of the process. So breaking down creative work into little pieces is especially good for people who have not very much time at all on a daily basis to create. 
Like if you have a full-time job and kids and you don't, you only get little slivers of time. If you, if you were just waiting around until you're going to have all the time you need to write the book, start to finish or write the whole chapter or whatever it is, you're going to be waiting forever because that time never comes up. And I can speak from someone who does full-time work as a creative. You still never get those huge chunks of time. And so you have to chunk it down. Chunk it down. (laughs) Creative consultant Beth Pickens has this incredible definition of what an artist truly is that I think gets at why this is so effective. She says, we're all creative. Being human is to be creative. I completely agree with that. But she says, artists have to make things. Like it's part of their mental health. If they're not making stuff, they are not well. And I so identify with that. And so without chunking out micro achievements, making a little every day that, that actually gets me somewhere, actually moves things just a tiny bit forward. If I'm not doing that day in, day out, that it actually has an opposite negative effect on my mental health to just desperately try to squeeze in anything I can get at any time, even if it's working backwards. So chunking down your projects into micro achievements, have an idea of like, what does it mean to level up my character, so to speak? Uh, what does it take for me to feel like I accomplished something? What's the smallest amount? And, and look for those little chunks of time and not squeezing it into places where you don't actually have the time to do it. I think this really matters because as my buddy illustrator, Will Bryant says, I make things because if I don't, I get sad. And I've just found that the days I can string together, where I just made a little chunk that I loved, like if I can do that every day, it gives me a, a sense of well-being that nothing else can. Chapter three, our call to adventure. It's a gamer guide. It's creating your own gamer guide. And I want to explain why, what this is and and what it means, but it is about creating the long gamer's guide to creativity. And you got to make it your own version of it because your path is going to be completely different as long as you're not being an NPC. So if you're ready to not just do what you love, but love what you do through choosing 100% projects and chunking them down into micro achievements, here's how you can put this to action right now at the end of this episode with a quick win, a call to adventure. Craft your own creative long gamers guidebook. So if you're serious about 100% in your practice, be it illustration, music, film, you know, whatever it is you do, you're going to need to consult the guidebook. Like the modern video games that I play, the possibilities and the things to explore are insanely endless. And it's the same for your creative field. And sure, you might be able to beat the, the main quest without a guidebook, but once you do that, you're going to need to consult the experts of all the little Easter eggs and all the things you never would have found, no matter how much time you're going to spend. And so after I get to where I want to go, I'll go back through the game with a guidebook and experience all the other bits that I missed. You can do the same for your creative world. Here's what you got to do. This is going to be slightly different because unlike a video game, your path is unlike any others. So you're going to have to create your own guidebook. 
This process was really powerful for me because I took a, a creative outlet that is kind of on my front burner right now, which is podcasting. And I just genuinely went through each bit and it helped me highlight things that I'm missing, ways that I'm rushing, things that I'm skipping. So here we go. Three pieces to your long gamers creative guidebook. I think I said that differently every way. The long gamers guidebook to your creative practice. How about that? Trademark, official. Okay, number one is secret item. Number two is side quest. Number three is your DLC. Okay, for secret item, I started with something that changed the game in my illustration practice, looking back as a way to kind of figure out what a good rich secret item truly is that actually changes the game. And so for my illustration practice, I would have to say the true secret item is drawing with a light box. Like I used to just uh, draw a sketch, didn't like it. I would erase or I would draw it again. Um, but then I started using a light box and it just dramatically overnight changed my practice. The stuff that I've made since drawing with a light box is way, way, way my, more my taste than anything I made before that. And so when I started thinking, how would I apply this to the, the pursuit of podcasting that I'm doing? I can see that the secret item that I just stumbled upon that I haven't really taken advantage of is this thing called dynamic media insertion. It's very, sounds very, I don't like it. I don't like the, the term, but a few weeks back, you may have noticed that when we took a week off the show, we were able to put a tiny little notice in front of every single episode that said, hey, we're taking a little break. And we set the calendar to say, play this little clip before every episode for a week. So everybody knows the deal. And this is a game changer. And by highlighting it as a secret item, I'm reminded like, oh, there's some other uses that I, I need to make sure I'm not going to overload this and overuse the secret item. But there are certain times where this is really going to come in handy. Number two, side quest. So for the podcasting side of my creative practice, I'm labeling building up this podcast network that I co-created with my business partner, Ryan Appleton, the Co-Loop Podcast Network. And we are kind of moving into phase two of the podcast network. And I'm kind of seeing that as a side quest. It's not directly related to building this show, but seeing it as a side quest helped me see that it supports the main quest and actually gave me some new perspective and some new motivation. Yes, it will help with cross-pollinating and, and you know building this show. That's true. It, it, it will make a difference. But the real driver behind the side quest is just because you love the game. And I love podcasting and I have really loved sharing the things I've learned in this space of doing this for eight years and helping people starting out and even just coming alongside people that are already doing it and learning from them too. And that makes it a, a fantastic side quest. Number three, the DLC. Game lingo for noobs. DLC stands for downloadable content, if you didn't know. So for some popular games, you can actually purchase and download extra quests, extra worlds within the game. I've done this for games I really love like Zelda and Witcher 3 um, that I needed to not just complete 100%, but 110% and actually add more to the games. So your creative DLC means downloading new content into your brain that's going to help you level up. For me, 
this is a, I honestly feel like I'm not especially good at anything other than downloading new content into my brain about things that I love. Like I will go study how to play a game that I love. I will go read the best practices of writing a picture book. I've read books and books and books on story. And I feel like, I don't know if I'm actually better at any of the things that I do, except for I'm really willing to download all the DLC from the stuff that I love. And so for me in the podcasting side of my business, this looked like taking time to stop right now and research the podcast conferences right now so I don't miss them. Like I always remember them after the tickets are sold out and I thought, okay, identifying this as DLC, I'm gonna say, what are the events, classes, resources that I already know would have valuable DLC for my practice that I have been putting off or ignoring? Like the time is now. you're like me, we all want to go full time and do the thing we love at the highest level as much as humanly possible. And we want to do it right now because that feels like doing it as much as we can. But if you really want to spend as much time as possible doing what you love and loving what you do, you can't get more time than a lifetime of slowly working towards achieving that end and savoring the journey as much as you can before it's lost its appeal. And here's the kicker. Like here's, here's the, big, the big game changer for me. It wasn't until I stopped approaching my career as a short game and started to approach it as a creative practice that I wanted to enjoy that I actually started making progress anyway. This episode isn't just about mental health or a nice mindfulness exercise for your creative work. I believe that loving and enjoying the work instead of treating it like a stepping stone to blow by is the way that you're most likely to make work that actually leads to the next step. Like taking my time and enjoying every nook and cranny of Elden Ring means I'm going to level up. I'm going to find breakthroughs. And it means that when I get to that big bad guy, I'm not going to have to play it a hundred times. I'm going to be ready. I'm actually going to have a chance. I'm going to enjoy the fight when it comes. And because it's not a fluke and I'm truly prepared when the next challenge comes around, I'm going to be able to repeat that success. <laughs> Trying harder or rushing through things to beat the boss as fast as you possibly can never really changes much at all, or at least it hasn't for me. But shifting the way I play from seeing every obstacle as a stepping stone to move me forward to instead trying to enjoy every step of the way, change the way that I played the game. And the same is true for my creative practice. The only projects that were truly game changer projects for my practice were the ones that I enjoyed doing. And I was happy. 
I was lucky. I felt grateful to take my time and enjoy every minute of it. And sure, I hope this episode brings you a lot more joy and sanity in your creative practice, but ultimately, I really hope that the ideas in this episode make you better, a more leveled up creator, so that one day you can get the opportunities that you're dying for and crush them when you have the chance and enjoy doing so while you're doing it. I can't tell you, like, uh, the podcasting world was always kind of a side quest for me. And it wasn't until recently that I thought, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. It's been a, but it's become a huge part of what I do. Maybe I should like actually try to 100% this thing. And I started to go to some of the events and make some connections within the world. And I can't tell you how much more satisfying and enjoyable it has been to go to those final bosses, so to speak, having put in a lot of time into something that I love and leveled up a lot and actually be over-prepared to go into those environments rather than when I first started trying to be an illustrator and just rushing everything and trying to get opportunities that I wasn't ready for. And not only that, when I'm in those spaces, I'm connecting with people for the right reasons, which is, of course, loving the game. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Huge thanks to my brother Jordan for reminding me of that Nicolas Cage quote this week that we used. It was very appropriate for this. Huge thanks to Connor Jones of Pinning Beautiful for editing the show. Massive thanks to Ryan Appleton and Katie Chandler and Sophie Miller for adding uh, content ideas and helping me work through all this stuff this week. Um, very helpful. A lot of stuff going on in this episode, and uh, um, I owe a lot to them. This is a team effort, so thank you, Creative Pep Talk team, and thanks to everybody who listens to this show week in and week out. Uh, we couldn't, we wouldn't make it if it wasn't for you. So thank you so much, and until we speak again, stay pepped up. Mm-hmm.